0: woman telling her story come on from the heart of the mystery dispelling years of violence we are breaking the silence hello and welcome to our second episode of the cocoon i am the host ruby michaelitis and i'm here today with the beautiful lorna and the beautiful Natasha, who are both volunteers of the Blue Butterfly Institute. Welcome, it's so happy to have you here. Thanks Ruby. Yeah, <laughs> thank thank you, Ruby. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? You go first,
1: Lorna. Um, who am I? I am Lorna. I'm a single sassy girl living in Sydney. Uh, kids are all grown up. Uh, my life is my own and it's, yeah, what's, what's the next adventure and what is it I'd like to do with my life next? That's
0: such a cool response. What about you, Tasha? I don't know
2: if mine will be as cool, but um, I'm Tasha, uh, mother of three, married, work full time and... Um, Just, yeah, working my way through getting my kids through school so they can grow up and leave home and
0: (laughs) take care of themselves.
2: (laughs) I'm a bit off that, though. I've still got an eight-year-old.
1: Well,
0: it sounds like you're still doing just as cool. I mean, being a mum's hard, right? (laughs) Yeah, you just want
1: to create functioning humans so they go off into the world and don't be burdens to the people that they
0: (laughs) up with. (laughs) So, you, I mean, the two of you have been here since the very beginning, since, you know the institute was a cocoon in itself so what inspired you to become a member and to volunteer here Do you want to go first Lorna
1: what inspired me um well Tina and I've been friends for quite a few years by that stage so her story her story hit me interestingly because until the the love that Tina and I have is until I met Tina I didn't have trauma Mm. which the truth is until I met Tina I didn't realize I had trauma I just thought I'd had this life, and it just, it had flowed, and, you know, the, the story really is, my mum died when I was 18, when well, we moved to Australia, and we were an immigrant family with no one in Australia, yeah. my mum died when I was 18, my dad went to the pub, and I don't think he ever got out of the pub, uh, six, maybe, be lucky if he was a couple of months later, he he had a new, a new girlfriend, who became his wife, and within six to 12 months, we lost dad as well, because he'd just gone off to this new family, yeah. Um, Children that were born by cesarean sex. Like, there was just all this stuff, and I'm going, but it's just life. There, mm. There's no trauma there. This is just normal. So meeting up with Tina and sort of hearing her story and then re- recognising well, it's other people have these things that really are traumas... but didn't discount from mine. So that sort of started me on that journey to find out more what Tina did, recognising I had friends that had been sexually assaulted as as young children and how I handled that and how it was a completely non-spoken about. Nothing had happened. One of them happened when I was about 10. I'm now into my 50s. A couple of years ago, um, I had a police looking for me through my brother, who was a police officer, and his response was, well, how did I not know this happened? Because no one spoke about it. Yeah. It was completely... I don't think my parents... I don't remember my parents talking about it ever again. Yeah. And the next day it was, stay close to home. You still had the key to the door around your neck on a piece of wool. No one was staying home to look after you. Yeah.
0: Just stay together and you'll be okay type stuff. Yeah, yeah, that buddy system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And
1: look, we we were kids. Like, we were little. Uh, So, yeah, so coming into that space and seeing that people have this and it's real... I haven't had it happen to me but I have a space that I can support yeah I have a space that I can give back and I can give to people who do need the support with the skill set I've got
0: and that's kind of how I kind of ended up here I mean that's I mean that I mean that timeline is amazing to listen to but I think it's also really important to gain that different perspective because yeah you, you know you are not a survivor but yet you still contribute so much because you have that different perspective
1: Thank you. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I had a kind of a, a therapy type business of my own, so I can also help in that space mm-hmm. with actually working with the survivors and all their, their children, all their families. And I can give that support in, in that space, too, to the Institute. Yeah. And also a grants funding. I've got a background in grants funding. So that's sort of my little baby is to look at, you know, where can we get money to do some programs
0: and projects and yeah, start to grow who we are yeah exactly no, I completely support that and I think it I'm so happy that you're also part of the Institute and volunteering Thanks, what Grace. about you Tash
2: so yeah um, mine's not not a similar story but it's sort of the same kind of vein where I don't have the lived experience however I have I know people who do and since joining the Institute actually more people have disclosed to me their stories um, and while they're still not ready to openly talk about it, it's sort of like I know that this is a way to get them to where they need to be or where they mm-hmm. might want to be. Um, I met Tina randomly a, a while ago, and we just started following each other on Facebook. And then she, and I always wanted to, and you know, parallel to that, I always wanted to do something. Something a bit more than just my work, mum, wife. You know, I wanted to do something, give something back. And she did a call-out for people to um, work with her in the Institute. And I sort of looked into what it was going to be about and, um, yeah, jumped on board pretty much straight away and haven't looked back. And I think I'm a little bit more determined now to see that we do follow um, the path of, you know, looking into different legislations and making affecting change because I do know someone who's recently had their... um, family has experienced um some sexual trauma with mm-hmm. their young children and it's gone to court and the sentencing you know it's sort of like pretty pathetic four years parole in a year kind of thing and yeah. these kids and this family is going to live with that for a lot longer and yeah. be dealing with the trauma of that for a lot longer than four years yeah you know? so it's that has kind of affected me recently just seeing that family go through that and yeah and yeah, so there's a lot more determination, and I know I'm in the right place.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that
1: surprised me as well. Coming to work with so recently, I have worked with one of the the mothers of a child that has has is now survivor and is working through through some stuff of his own. But hearing her part of the story as the mum and the stuff that she's going through, that is just it, it for me was really mind blowing as well because I had never had had the need or opportunity to sit in that space I hadn't yep. known or hadn't been so directly contacted someone who'd been so directly impacted to
0: hear her story and her conversations was like, holy, holy, this, yeah. this is huge. So how do you feel your empathy has changed since being at the Institute and discovering how trauma impacts people? Because surely your personalities must have, you know, adapted and grown since learning so much about trauma and how it affects people.
2: Yeah, de- definitely, and and it's so all the personalities and how each of each of the members of the institute that have been affected, and even you know, like I said, people coming to me and sort of disclosing things now that they know that I am working with the institute. Um, everyone's dealing with it in a different way, so it's not like one sort of counselling if it's all it's understanding all the different people and all the different ways they're affected and and even we are what, what did you, is it called vicarious
0: yeah vicarious yeah vicarious. how we yes. are
2: affected by that so, and I guess that's what, what I'm experiencing with my friend and her family and her kids is from a distance seeing what they're going through and that in effect is affecting me in a way as well, but, you know, and I I shouldn't dismiss that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and being a mum for because you and I are both mums, Tash, it it adds that layer for me as well, of my children who are, who are now grown grown up and grown adults didn't happen to them, and, and that's an absolute blessing. But not every kid has had that. Yeah. It's mm. The the yeah. wow, there are just so many that that isn't their reality. No,
2: yeah. that's right. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's very unfortunate to listen to. And here as well so how do you feel that your view on people and the world in general has changed since learning about trauma and how it affects people
1: you said earlier about you know what where is my empathy and I don't know if it's more empathy because I said I I always already was in the healing space and already have a business in that space anyway so I had a lot of empathy that that runs through in my healing um, sessions I guess for me it was the ability to then recognise behaviours and patterns and where they've come from, mm-hmm. that they have come from a trauma, mm-hmm. and it didn't need to be, as they say, you know, the big T trauma. Enough little ones, or even one little one, impacts behaviour so significantly for people. Mm-hmm. So it gave me a, a different lens to see people's behaviour in the people I work with, yeah. of where it's come from, what's happened, what happened to them, and, and how that's not just changing the behaviour today, there needs to be an element of the resolving and the, the clearing, or whatever the language you want to use is, of the thing that happened to them. Yep. And being able to shift that. So it's not necessarily the empathy, it's the, yeah, it's a different lens I've been able to put on the people I work with. And, and just people you see in general of, you know, oh, you know, they've just got some stuff going on. Well, you know, for some people, shit, they have got some serious stuff that they've got going on because it's still story in their head and it's still it's still very real to yeah. them today. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's my sort of perspective as well because I've always been in tune with that emotional intelligence and that that everyone's got a story and people act in a particular way and then their behavior's change and you kind of need to understand okay something's happened and you know you can refer to that as they've been triggered by something so their behaviors might change but it's just being aware of that and just taking a moment to not, you know, like if you, if you have an interaction with something and they might piss you off, it's understanding why are they behaving that way and yep. not reacting, like accepting, trying to understand where they're at and work through that. And I've always been like that. And like I said, I, I really wanted to be involved with something that gave back to community and helped people. And I think this is as good a place (laughs) and and the group of people that work with the institute are amazing absolutely I learn every time like I think you think you know things and then you come and sit and talk (laughs) Uh, 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 (laughs) you walk away emotional and (laughs) and a little bit drained
1: but uh, feeling okay like you know what I mean yeah and I know you and I kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning Mm. when there was disclosure in the room and there was people sharing their story who had had the direct you know impacts of, of the trauma or had had or were survivors or you know were, were dealing through that and you and I weren't and we were like this so what are we doing here yeah, kind of out feeling yeah, like outsiders yeah, yeah. yeah why am I here because I haven't had what you've had so how can I help and where can, where can I add value given that you as if there was a number of people that had you know, shared their stories mm. like wow like really and that's when really it came up of I, I hadn't had trauma well I have it just wasn't that one yeah yeah, yeah that was a, I remember you and I having that discussion Tash yeah yeah
2: and it's good to to know. So, and like Lorna, you've said, you, you've got um, the counselling side of things and you contribute in that way. And, you know, Martin is administratively, but it's still, you know, bringing everyone together and yeah. all that admin side of things that co- go with a not-for-profit. Um, that's where I can contribute. in in what I do in my normal life
0: and that's also significantly important to have that practical step and those practical parts as well so I so I'm very ensnared by the like the vicarious trauma that's kind of embedded in my brain so obviously like you said you're both non-survivors but yet you have listened to so many stories and like so many recounts and of what people have gone through how do you take care of your mental health and how do you kind of not let it um, affect you emotionally to an extent? How do you not let it kind of bring you down in a way?
1: Um, for me, I am the tapping queen, so I'm always going to do EFT tapping. That is my thing. People cannot see me tapping on screen, I know. Uh, so tapping for me is is my downtime, um, and that's how I process. Yes, there have been some um, committee meetings where I've sat there and gone, are you guys kidding me? Like, surely this doesn't happen in people's lives, or it hasn't, and that incredulous sort of side of this is real, Lorna. And then I have a debrief later. Yeah. So I've, I've had to put in place a debrief um, through the Institute for, that I've got a place to go, hey, this has happened, or this client said this, and particularly Institute clients being able to have a debrief place, that it's not just all me and, and me processing, it, mm-hmm. it's letting it go and be able to release. And yeah, that debrief for me is really, yeah. really important
0: yeah and to our listeners i think it's it's also really important for you to know that we do have these kind of mental health sessions for the volunteers and so that way we can also keep our mental health and also take care of ourselves so we can help you more um and you know kind of spread our word around what about you tash how do you kind of make sure that you take care of yourself emotionally and mentally well i probably don't (laughs) think I, I kind of... I love your honesty. <laughs> me too.
2: You know, well, let's, I'm not going to say I'm perfect with how I care yeah. for myself, you know. And, you know, I have counselling that I do for just general life stuff and, and that sort of encompasses the work that I do with the mm-hmm. Institute as well. I mean, I often talk to Tina. Um, we do kind of... When we've wrapped up our meeting, we do kind of debrief and, you know, acknowledge, wow, that was an exhausting one and talk yeah. about why... Um, but yeah, I don't have things in place that I walk away and go, right, right time to shake that off, Not, yeah. you know, shake it off and rejuvenate. Um, I am quite tired. Let's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I'm a little weary. It,
0: it, it is. It can be very emotionally taxing. Mm. I feel. I think particularly when we are, you know, extremely empathetic women ourselves. Yes, it's very difficult to not become emotionally attached or to not feel that within yourself, that grief or that mourning for that other person. Yeah.
1: Well put. Really yeah. well put, Ruby. Yeah, mm. that is. That's that. That complete. You're in, in a space of being very empathetic for an extended period mm. of time. Mm. Because you know, while we deal with the the factual stuff and you know what what needs to be done from a, um, a committee space there is still that you know conversations that are involving the lives of other humans
0: yeah yeah exactly i mean yeah i mean like i completely understand that and also you know obviously we do have those professional and personal boundaries hmm. and how do you kind of maintain those because i think it's it's so difficult for um us as Volunteers, And obviously, you know, you with the Tapping Institute and you with your work because you work with, you know, people being at the university. Um, how do you kind of maintain those boundaries and not, you know, let it come home with you what you've what you've listened to people's thoughts? From the committee space
1: or from a private space, let me go to the private space, unlike Tash, I haven't had people who have come and disclosed to me.
0: Really? I No,
1: I've had none of that at all since I've been with the Institute. I've made no secret that I'm here. It, it, it's Everyone would think most people in my, my world know, and I've had no disclosures, so nothing has changed in terms of people contact and what they come to talk to me about at all. Do you wish that people would disclose to you? No, not necessarily, so I'm not necessarily inviting that, that in as such. It was just a really interesting observation that I have not had any of,
0: of that sort of involvement or inclusion. Or is it because, maybe, is it because you're a tabbing institute and what you do? Possibly, because I'm
1: already in the space of teaching people mm. and doing that and working with people anyway, so it, it, could, it could quite well be. Yeah. could quite well be. I mean, we laugh about our students in, in the school of who brings trauma and it's like well who doesn't bring trauma mm. it turns up differently in the students. Yeah. In in terms of how they interact and how they actually do their work and yeah. you know, clear their own stuff anyway. But yeah, well, what well, about that's you? an interesting observation. Well I have been recommended by Lorna and Tina to,
2: to start the tapping. Right, we'll so have to teach you. Um I I've actually become quite good at there's there's a way you can listen and support people without onboarding them the responsibility of of fixing and healing like you can listen and you can lend the ear you can direct yeah you know and i do direct anyone who talks to me like you really need to look into the blue butterfly um and so i'm not taking it on as a responsibility that i need to do all the healing and the fixing but i do i can listen and i and i can separate it like i have learned over the last couple of years of counseling how to do that, and not to feel like I have to be that person's. Because they've come to me. I don't. They don't necessarily want me to fix, fix them all. They just need to have someone listen. Feel good.
1: Yeah. yeah. And great and, word responsibility.
2: Yeah, and I for a long time I did do that, so I was very weary and tired and emotional a lot of the time because I, not just with the sexual trauma. I'm just talking about generally yeah, you're taking other people's other people's stuff on. And um, yeah, so I have learnt how to separate. And not on board that aspect of it, but just be that person to sit and listen. So I have done some things. And that's really, <laughs> really a important. important.
1: It's not your responsibility to fix or heal. Yeah. And sometimes it is. People just need a space to feel yeah. heard. That feeling heard for humans and actually having someone listen without without them ready to talk the minute you close your mouth and just holding that space is absolutely invaluable. So, yeah. And then that can be something other people can do for somebody. If someone does come to tell you about their experience and their disclosing whatever language we use around it, just sitting silently in that space with them and allowing them to feel heard without judgment, without laying over your own words, without any... Just listening to them yeah. can make the biggest difference in a human life because somebody feels heard. And when you don't have
2: the, the same sort of experience as them, you can't really offer them. I don't feel I can give them the advice they need, so I am just yeah. that person to sit and listen. So Yeah,
1: yeah but when without the wows and, oh, my God, reallys and yeah. just... Yeah. Hold the space and listen. So that's just it's priceless for people.
0: And I feel like that's really important for our listeners to understand that you don't need to have these amazing qualifications. Sometimes you just need to listen and say, Hey, I believe you. And I understand that what you went through was incredibly difficult. And I think, like, that's just really important to know that just simple things like that can do a world of change to yeah. a person who has gone through some trauma. And as you said, um, tell them, you
1: know, I believe you. That, that feeling of I've shared my story and somebody believes me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And our final question for this episode, what advice or words of wisdom would you have someone who wants to be a part of the institute as a survivor as a member what would what advice would you give
2: i think it's important that if you want to volunteer for a a not-for-profit and we are small but we are emerging and potentially you know it is going to take up more of our time you need to know that you've got the time available like it be commit i only commit what you can like, don't overcommit. You don't want to sort of let yourself down, mm-hmm. let the Institute down. Like, that was, you know, we were asked most recently, you know, are we still able to commit mm-hmm. to what we're doing with the Institute? And, you know, some people unfortunately weren't able to. Um, and the, re- the people that are still here were able to continue. And I can give more, but I know that there'll be a limit. Yeah. You know, so it's about making sure that you're not overcommitting, you know, give what you can. Yeah. Mm. 100% do it if you want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all up for it too. Yeah, do it.
2: Like, don't um, hesitate, but make sure that you, you can.
1: Yeah. You've got that. I'd like to add from a volunteer's perspective know why you're doing it. Yes. yes. Why do you the want to become involved? Counts. Yeah. Why do you want to be part of it? Because that will be your driver. So, if it's yeah. a, a, I just feel I need to do something, sit with that a little bit longer to go, yeah, but what do I actually want to do? Because, yeah. you, as you said, you don't want to find yourself in and then go, well, I'm committed and now I can't deliver, because that, yeah. that's not healthy for yourself. Yes. But yeah, figure out why you want to do it. What, what's yeah. your motivation? What's your driver? Um, just to know that that's the right space for you. In terms of survivors, absolutely please get in touch with us and yeah. Yeah. see where we can give you the support and what the support looks like for, for your needs definitely
0: yeah and then just sorry I know I said finally before but that's just really stirred something in my mind <laughs> I think finally from kind of like a vicarious trauma perspective if someone if someone said you know like my family member my friend you know just admitted or disclosed something to me and I want you know I want to help them you know via the institute I really think they would benefit from this what would you say how would you kind of I guess in a way influence them to come um to the institute and get some help it's
1: the old horse to water trick isn't it you can only lead them they've got to be ready yeah it's got to be their journey and it's got to be their thing because if you make you can't make the appointment for them yeah you you just can't because if they're not committed to make the appointment they're not going to show up they're not going to be ready it's not their time yet
2: and that's the thing like i've spoken about um my my friend and her her young family um and her and the mother herself she's um experience sexual trauma and because of the outcome of this sentencing she's terrified to come forward
0: yeah
2: um and I've told her about the institute and I have to just leave it with that I can't I've let her know about our, the cocoon the counseling you know and getting and getting in touch but I can't push that any further now yeah I can just gently remind mm-hmm. <laughs> um that we're that we're here for her but yeah so uh,
1: that was a learning for me in the institute was um, obviously, the fear and the, the fear that sits in behind somebody—they need to get to a space where they're ready. Whereas I didn't recognise that so easily um, at the outset. Of, well, why we just come forward but seeing how much more yeah. there is behind that for them before they feel safe enough to do so
0: yeah and i think that's a beautiful way to end the podcast is that we are here to help you but you do have to make that decision to begin your healing journey yeah. and so thank you so much lorna and tash for thank you ruby. This Thanks, episode. Ruby. and yeah stay tuned and stay tuned for episode three and thank you so much for listening i'm ruby mm-hmm. thank you telling her story come on from the heart of the mystery dispel years of violence we are breaking the silence